yeah. I mean, it's just like, I don't know. It's amazing how one month away from something, it's like, I remember like the movie in general, but like the order of operations that thing happens. I'm like, I don't, I don't. Yeah. Like, like all I can ever remember off the top of my head about return of the King is, uh, uh, stab, big fight, Mm. big fight, lava, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. an hour worth of endings. Lots of walking. Watched we watched it a month ago, but we just finished the movie now. So I think that's what works out. That's what the movie feels like sometimes. Mm-hmm. We still did not watch the extended version for this. We watched just pure theatrical for all three. I you know what? I, I for for the purposes of this podcast, that might have been a better idea. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. 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 But do you think we have good ideas around here? No. <laughs> no. This is why we do what we do. <laughs> um, if you've listened to the last two episodes, you'll know that this is Movie Freaks. We are a podcast that is aiming to basically be a book club, but for movies, because books take too long. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm Eric, and I am joined by the following people who can fight over who introduces themselves first. Hey Me, guys, Jacob. I'm, I'm Emily. I beat Emily I'm Jacob. by saying this first, <laughs> and I'm going to continue to talk because it's a power move. Uh, but more importantly, like I said, I'm Sean, the better half of bedtime gamers. As we all, I'm Emily, <laughs> the other half of bedtime gamers. As we all know, podcasts are about having conversations, and conversations are about whoever can talk the most, loudest, and most insistently. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, Jeff will not be joining us today. Uh, he has decided to take a sabbatical from from <laughs> the Lord of the Rings for the moment, and he he said this movie sucks. <laughs> <laughs> he'll he'll be back for a future installment um, once we figure out what that is. <laughs> We're working on that part. So yeah, we watched Return of the King, the third movie in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Rotka, 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 Rotka. and. Uh, Bring wood and oil. You know what's... Have you guys ever seen the show, uh, the TV show... Oh, God, what was it called? He was in that. The guy's name, I think his name is like John Noble or something like that. And, oh, man. Fringe. I didn't... Fringe. What? I didn't know that he was in anything else. And I'd probably still hate his guts. He's on TV show Fringe. And I always remember this because he's this. He's all serious in, in, in Rotka. He's all like, bring wood and oil. My line has ended. And in this one, he, he comes out of prison and gets in a car. And he's like, I like these modern cars. The seats warm your ass. And it's like everything he says <laughs> is so... There's so much gravitas behind it. Also, he but was Scarecrow in uh, Arkham Knight. And that was pretty cool. Mm. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. The first thing I want people to know is something that you have in our notes here, which is that Smeagol has a Smeagol voice. What the hell? <laughs> so they did a really clever thing, right? They opened the movie up with a clip of of how Smeagol became Gollum. But then when you meet Smeagol, he's got a Smeagol voice. He's he's got a he, he he has a Gollum voice, is what I mean. Why does Smeagol have a Gollum voice? Like as a hobbit. Do you just mean like I'm confused? So here's what. I, yeah. Okay. So sorry. What I said. Why does Smeagol have a Smeagol voice? I guess I should have said why does Smeagol already have a Gollum voice? So we see them. It's a. It's a. It's a. It's a flashback, and mm-hmm. and his buddy um, Deagle 
It's his uh, cousin. His cousin, right? He's like, he's like, oh, I'm Deagle. I found a ring. And then Smeagol's like, oh, precious. Can I see it? And it's like, whoa, <laughs> whoa. Like, you're not a weird freak, like, like spindly mm, freak yeah, yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, why doesn't he sound the, normal? The ring is just so powerful that he's like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> let me have that. Gotta have yeah. it. You know what that ring <laughs> Like, that's kind <laughs> <laughs> That's just his, like, he's just had that voice, and he talks like that back at the Shire, like, all the time, and people are like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, God, here, comes, here comes a weird voice, Smeagol. Here comes the weirdo over here. everyone? <laughs> yeah, uh, it wasn't, like, just showing him with this one friend for, like, a one instance thing. That was the only person who would talk to him. <laughs> who would tolerate him, weird. honestly. Which, which I want to, on, on that note, uh, I want to bring up something. So these these movies, this movie came out... Uh, probably like when I was in fifth grade and me being a dumb, weird kid would walk around the playground at recess doing the, the golem voice. And See, you were just enacting and, him. And that's how I met my best friend because he's like, you're weird. <laughs> oh, I like you. Uh, Eric, I, I, I was in high school when this came out and I still did the voice. I also, Old man. I also have a clip of me doing it at my wedding with my wedding ring. So Oh my yeah. god! <laughs> yeah, how am I still married? I I'm don't kind know. of bunch of nerds, am I right? <laughs> Eric, you were just cosplaying before you knew you were cosplaying. <laughs> yeah, is that what it was? Yeah, <laughs> running, I was not running around in a loincloth, but all right. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I got expelled from school. <laughs> <laughs> so, like the next, the next big question that we have in regard to that um, is, how do you think that, like? When Frodo is carrying the ring to Mordor, you don't really see it actually really getting to him until like the end of Two Towers, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but with with Smeagol, it was like instant. Like he mm-hmm. had to have it. He choked. He choked this guy out, and then he got shunned into a cave. <laughs> so like, is he like that? Just like that weak willed, or what's up with that? No, I was just gonna say that you know this whole like giving him that backstory of, like, he has no friends, he's the weird one of the Shire, like, this is all kind of actually making a little bit more <laughs> sense that, like, oh, like, he was already probably inclined to strangle someone out of just a lot of emotion, so um, yeah, this is starting to check out. I mean, I feel like it's supposed to show how much resilience that Frodo has, because, like, yeah. anytime somebody else interacts with it, you can see, like, they don't necessarily go quite as far as Smeagol did, um, but they do, like, become weak to it and transfixed, and, like, Frodo is able to, for the most part, withstand that, and it shows, you know, why it's Frodo who has to be the chosen one to bring it. And that's the real answer. <laughs> <laughs> But they could have just ridden the meagles to yeah, Why don't they just take the eagles the whole time? <laughs> I mean, there's a whole lot of flying plot holes in here. Like, why could the Nazgul not just fly and do, I don't know, pick off literally anybody they want? But, you know, that's, mm-hmm. you know. There are plot holes in this movie. <laughs> They're really. No. There are. They are there. there. Are, they are there. And, and I, I think we found a couple of them. <laughs> the next thing that we have written down. Um, is, is I wrote uh, how how is everybody washed up so quickly like the day after the oh, fight yeah. with <laughs> uh, and the only answer I can come up with is movie uh, the next the next thing is something that you put down that 
uh, you're asking if the Saruman scene is necessary where he gets stabbed in the back and he falls down and all that. Yeah. So what happens is in the extended edition, uh, have you guys seen this before? He says, you said you watched the regular edition. Have you ever seen the extended with what happens to Saruman? Um, I, I have. Yeah, I feel like we have. It's just been so long that, yeah, I don't remember. It's just as we're sitting there watching it and, and I'm watching, it's a whole bunch of stuff. And it's like, oh, I think I see why they cut this out because it's sort of like, yeah, it answers the question of what happens to Saruman, but it also kind of just, it drags a bit and it just feels very like, like out of tone. So I'm wondering, was it really necessary? And I'm thinking, and now that I see why he probably cut it. Although, like, is the audience really wondering what happened to Christopher Lee? Maybe, but we have other stuff happen. Right. So, I mean, I never uh, at any point in this movie am wondering what happened to Christopher Lee. I'll be honest with you. Never at any point during, after, really, the fellowship am I wondering what happened to Christopher <laughs> Lee. Rude. I mean, what? Wow. Okay. Um, no, I, I wondered about it when I first saw the movie as a kid because it's like, oh, we locked the wizard in his tower, blah, blah, blah. And that's it. Right. Uh, but then I read the book and I was like, wait a minute. He took over the Shire. <laughs> oh, yeah. What? Yeah. In the in the book, when Frodo and Merry and Pippin and Sam make it back to the Shire, Saruman and Wormtongue have taken over the Shire. And the, the end of Return of the King is them basically mm-hmm. leading a revolt against him. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Thank yeah. God they didn't have it. Can you imagine movie? another ending? <laughs> Which, <laughs> no, no that 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 would have been uh, another movie. Which is, yeah. I also just love this idea that Saruman and Wormtongue were like, man, we took f in the chat for that when they were, you know, at, at their little tower, and they're like, let's just go take over the half. You know what? You know what? This whole tree place didn't work out for us. Let's try something a little shorter. Let's go for those hobbits. Yeah, yeah. Let's have some more attainable goal. <laughs> Ooh, Eric, this next point is one of yours, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it's it's really, it's more just like a comment um, on the music because the music for these movies is absolutely incredible. Yeah, um, it is. Mm-hmm. But I, I I especially love the the theme music that they have for Rohan with the violins and the French horns. Just I was just gonna say, I feel like any good like fantasy or sci fi movie needs to have like just a truly epic memorable soundtrack like i feel like mm-hmm. that makes for such a better like recall of the movie like same with star wars like you know you have the iconic songs and like even not in in movies so much as even in games like you think about halo and like the actual like you know the halo theme yeah and, like the yeah. theme of halo it's like it just brings you back instantly and it's adds that like extra layer of nostalgia that's a great point by the way yeah, a lot a lot of movies think of any iconic movie and you've got iconic music too. Like even like non-fantasy sci-fi stuff like The Godfather, you know, like even that has an iconic soundtrack or music to it and and yeah, the Rohan stuff has always been one of my favorites too. But that's um that, that's during that whole sequence where they're uh partying and Gimli and Legolas have a drinking contest which is in the extended cut only. That's a that was a good clip. I don't know why they cut that. That was fun. It's fun, but what does it really add to the movie? Better than the ghosts. <laughs> uh, the, the next ghosts. point I have on here is um, Arwen has a, in one of the boring Arwen scenes that keep popping up in this movie. and all No, movies, stop it. Uh, she, she gets Rude. a vision of... This is like my favorite. Gets, this is like one of my favorite Arwen she scenes. She gets a vision of the child that she realized that she would have had with, um, with Aragorn if she didn't go run off on a boat somewhere. And she's like... 
And when the, I swear to God, when the kid Vision looks at her, <laughs> it gives her like a Zoolander face, like a like a blue steel. Like, mm. I'm like, has anyone else seen this? <laughs> <laughs> I want this whole movie reshot where every character uh, just in every scene is doing <laughs> blue steel, like as a reaction. I gotta look up the blue steel face to remember. It looks like all of them. I've only seen if Zoolander you've ever one. seen Zoolander, you know oh what it looks like. <laughs> Yeah. Merman, pup. I did see Zoolander 2, and you shouldn't. <laughs> you shouldn't. It's just like Anchorman 2. Oh, my God. What a, what yeah. a waste. <laughs> we should do Anchorman. Yeah. Yes, we should. <laughs> but, no. What I do think is interesting, though, about these R1 scenes, because, you know, we've had, we had one in Two Towers as well, similar to this, right? About the future. But what I think is interesting is, like, this is supposed to show her future... But she's still the same age in this future. But isn't the whole thing like she's giving up her immortality if she chooses that path? Stop bringing up plot holes. This movie's perfect. <laughs> That's a good point, though, because like even even uh, what's his face? Like his, her father tells her is like it's like and you will and you will waste away as a shade like and like like that. You're, you're just going to linger forever and ever. So I guess I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. Um, um. I think we should call Peter Jackson and tell him we have some issues. <laughs> and I, I, well, you know, here's what I think we should do. I think we should call Peter Jackson, mm-hmm. tell him, all right, we need you to come back to the Lord of the Rings franchise. Yes. But make a movie only about Arwen, <laughs> Aragorn, whatever his name is, and, <laughs> and their children. Okay. The whole movie. So, so there we'll is, just figure this out. There, there is a book that follows that I think. I need it. Um, but she does eventually after Aragorn dies. I just had to look it up on the wiki. Uh, they're married for 122 years before Aragorn dies, and then Dang. she dies of a broken heart, like a coward. Oh my god! Hey, wow. that's what Padme did. Yeah. The big sad is the number one power of of uh, of women in in fantasy and sci fi. I do feel like Arwen kind of got the like Finn treatment of the new Star Wars stuff, where like in the first one she was like pretty badass you know like she didn't have a huge part but you know when she like was rescuing frodo and did all the horse water thing and like you know that was all pretty cool and like you know that's when my love for her really blossomed but then like yeah in these second and third ones it's like mm. you mean that thing that she definitely didn't do like actually in the book but no, but she's got but she, but she has a point like like if you switched out that scene from the first movie why couldn't she be the one to bring the sword to Aragorn in this movie it's a really oh my cool gosh scene. yes and, that would have been amazing yeah, if, if she was the one who said like put aside the ranger become the man you're supposed to be like that would have mm-hmm. been really cool for a uh, podcast that is a book club for movies because books are too long we bring up these books too often. <laughs> 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 and you might you might be right you might have me there but it's not gonna stop me <laughs> if we ever get to harry potter i think we're gonna have a hard time separating the texts from that we know from like oh, these yeah. movies yeah, if we sure. no if, it's i only bring it up because you know i didn't read these books but if we you know. if we ever if we ever get to harry potter we're gonna get to goblet the fire goblet of fire and i'm just gonna be like what the hell <laughs> we're yeah just gonna, we're honestly. just gonna all have an hour-long podcast of us all going and similarly when we get to the twilight episode oh, no, Emily got yeah, yeah. Uh, lots to say she got kicked from the podcast <laughs> 
You guys, Emily watched four Twilight movies in one night. I woke up at 4.30 in the morning, and she was wide awake. And I was like, is this the second movie? And she said, oh, no. (laughs) Y'all. I mean. Return of the... Return Listen, of the King I'll, is so long. I'll watch them, but I'll complain the entire return time. Return of the King is so long, we're talking about other things right now. <laughs> I know. All right, let's return to Return to return of the King. Um, so, yeah. Arwen scenes, I still love Arwen. I still, I love everything about it. But yeah, I do think she got um, a little uh, disrespected in the second and third movie because it's just all about... Her being like the traditional woman, like mom, wife, you know, meh. Okay. Tired. Oh, wow. A, a dude that was born in like the early 1900s wrote this. <laughs> uh, also, I, I had a note here. How fucking cool is Minas Tirith? It's, it's so, it's so cool. Yes. It's, this, it's the city. It's so big. And it's just, yeah. Okay. So, so about that. Um, I don't know if you ever saw it, but, uh, Five-ish years ago, there was a GoFundMe page where these people were trying to let raise like a couple billion British pounds to actually build this <laughs> oh in real God. life. And you could Upset. actually, like, if you donated enough, you could be an actual <laughs> Lord of Minas Tirith. What? Uh, obviously, it never happened, but... Let's bring it back. <laughs> Listeners, find this GoFundMe. Go we can make it happen. <laughs> There's a there's a scene in the extended version where Frodo and Sam are doing what they do and they're walking along and they come across a statue of a, a, a king of Gondor probably that had its head knocked off by a catapult thing because catapults are rude and trebuchets are better. Mm-hmm. But they when they're as they keep walking, Sam sees the head of the statue and there's a crown of flowers on it and the sun shines down on it. And he points it out to Frodo and then uh, everything gets all pretty. And then all of a sudden, no more pretty. Yeah. It's it's a really, I I, I just think it's a really pretty scene, like just mm-hmm. in general. I agree. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really, it's, it's powerful. And I like that there are scenes like that, that kind of, it's not slow down the movie, but like take its time. Because, you know, Sam and Frodo, their, their story is not just about dropping a ring off. It's about hope and... And all this other garbage nonsense no one has time for. Correct. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then directly after that, I wrote down, uh, if the ring rates are drawn to the ring. Yes. (laughs) How is it when Frodo and Sam are outside of Minas Morgul, when they're trying to take the Morgul Pass up through the the stairs and end up going through Shelob's Lair and all that, and this army of orcs comes marching out of Minas Morgul with the Witch King of Angmar, like flying above them, if he is drawn to the ring, how do you not notice it right beneath you? Because they're yeah, so it's... bad at their jobs. <clears throat> they're it, really they're terrible. Honestly, like the more I watch this movie, I feel like they are worse at their jobs than stormtroopers, <laughs> and that's that's really hard. That's, ooh, that's saying something. But it's, he's not wrong. Where's the lie? Like you're supposed <laughs> to be the elites, and they're friggin' garbage. But again, it's like. In the first movie, I feel like they have such a presence about them and they are terrifying and like they are, you know, coming up on Frodo and finding him wherever he's at. And it's like, and, but then by this third one, it's like, yeah. And we're supposed to have this witch king. Also, what, 
he was apparently one of the original ones, but like they ain't said shit about it back then. Yeah, suddenly it's important. And, but anyways, suddenly it's important. And again, yeah, like you said, he can't see him right in front. What I'm getting here is that horses are spookier than flying monsters. I'm thinking so. That's what I'm getting out of this right now. Honestly, I mean, they're not CGI, so there there might be some truth to that statement. It's like, oh, true. Okay, it's yeah. one thing when, like, they're huddling under the root of a tree in the first movie, which is an awesome, like, picture scene that I think they took from the original mm-hmm. cartoon. Like, there was a scene just like that. But then, like, when they're flying through on this weird, like, semi-dragon and and they're doing nothing effective except throwing some horses around at right. some point. Which, I'm going to skip one of your points here to come to here. This is something really all of the Gondor soldiers are grabbing their ears and screaming and running around going, ah, ah, mm-hmm. and I'm like, and I'm like, oh, that's what fearsome presence in D&D is. Because, like, dragons have this ability called yes, fearsome nice. presence. And I'm like, if I saw a dragon, I wouldn't be scared. I'd be like, that's so cool. But no, I guess I'd be terrified like these guys would be. <laughs> that makes more sense. I don't know. I just feel like there could have been a lot. I don't know what, but I just feel like that kind of... Um feeling that we got with the Nazgul's in the first one, like that just wasn't here for the third one. Even though, like you said, they are on these fearsome, crazy looking dragons. But I agree. So when when they come and they attack when the when the orcs and the Nazgul come and they attack Osgiliath and then Gandalf runs out and pushes them back and Faramir and them come back into the city. Yes. They get told to go back out there and <laughs> no. they are like, they're like having a parade through the city it is but so every, sad. Everybody knows that. It that's, is so depressing. Yeah, it's yeah. just a suicide parade. And like literally, the the uh, his dad. Okay, I'm. It's been a minute. So who's the? What's his name? Denethor Second, son of Ecthelion Second, Lord and Steward of Gondor. And who is the son? Who is the son? Now that's the one who's leading this parade. The suicide. Welcome to Faramir. the suicide parade. Faramir. <laughs> yeah. Faramir. Yeah. I feel like his dad. I feel like legit. I'm like, is that worm tongue? <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like they're so similar. Maybe not in appearance, but like just this, you know, like parasite on the throne. Don't care about no one but themselves. Wrong. He cared very much about Boromir, but fuck you if you're not Boromir. Yeah, seriously. Right. That's true. That's true. That's oh my true. God. I just realized that this is like the first part of the Black Parade song. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But yeah, that is so depressing because, you know, Faramir, like, he's dealing with the loss of Boromir and, like, he knows he doesn't measure up to in his father's eyes and, like, he knows he's just going on, like you said, the suicide parade and it's like, ugh, and he's such a good guy. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. But that gave you a bad guy. guy. And then what's his name is like singing to the oh my god yeah king while he stuffs his face he's munching cherry tomatoes are dripping down his chin oh, while gross. while while the pretty voiced hobbit is singing <laughs> yeah so the the trio go into the um into the mountain to find the ghost army yeah so they they go off into the 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 trio goes off into the mountain to find the ghost army and the um I, I guess aside from Carl Urban. So I'd say probably like the second command for the Rohan. Uh, he's he he tell he looks at the king and he's like, "We can't we can't beat Mordor." But then he looks back at him and he goes, "No, but we're gonna meet them in battle nonetheless." And if that's not like that big, big energy, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
I'm trying. I'm trying to be a little PG thirteen here, but big energy. You got that BD. You got that BD. You know what I mean. You know what I mean. Um, but no, it's just it's really cool because they know that they're probably gonna all not make it out of this. But what, like, what uh, at, at that point and how things have progressed, what other option is there? Right, like you have to try. Is this? Our, do we have a point? Later about oh oh it's like literally right here okay never mind is it the part where good guys have trebuchets and bad guys have catapults <laughs> yes yeah. that's important we already covered that though I know so we're I'm, good. Just put, I just wanted to re- re- reiterate <laughs> trebuchet make sure life. that you know <laughs> this podcast is not sponsored by r slash trebuchet memes <laughs> but if you would like to we'll gladly take, we'll gladly take your your endorsement please are we talking about the dead is that the next thing are we finally up to this part yes. yeah okay so yeah yes you know before we came to the scene rewatching it i guess because and sean and i were talking about this in the video game like the dead scene was like a moment like it was like oh, yeah, it was like it was a large part of the game really yeah and so like i forgot how little of a part it actually is in the movie it's like oh yeah Okay, join our army. Okay, cool. It's just it's what? it's super weird to me. It's like like it I is. get I get it and but at the same time it's it's kind of like okay, you've got this first of all really oddly CGI'd ghost army that mm-hmm. comes in and essentially saves the day and they swarm around and hey, remember the, remember that time that the King Theoden who's who came out there with that awesome like death, death and they go and they charge and he gets killed. Uh, that could have been avoided if everyone just sat around and waited for the ghost to show up. Like it just kind of like, right. it's like what was the point? They take down an oliphant. They they storm the entire thing in literally like thirty seconds, and it just sort of uh-huh. it makes everything feel so like in like vain. You know what I mean? So, and I just I've never been mm-hmm. a fan of of their presence in the movie. I feel like it could have been improved with like a treatment, kind of like when they were in the mines of Moria, like. You know, that how that was like a big, like there was just a lot of stuff happening and that was a, not a large part of the movie, but, it, you know, it was a significant part. Like, I feel like if they would have kind of treated it like that, then maybe it would have been a little bit better because, I mean, I do think it ha- serves a purpose with Aragorn, but yeah, I mean, it just was so rushed and just didn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Overall, so about the ghosts, one thing I don't know if we kept it in the revised notes, um, but I love that when they show up, they leave little pockets for like Aragorn and Gimli and them to fight. Like mm-hmm. consider consider <laughs> ghost friends. Ten out of ten. Yeah, it's like they're all you see them all in the background, but it's okay because um, Orlando Bloom has to do some more BS and take down an entire charging elephant <laughs> with just a bow and arrow. You know. Like they, and then that awesome line from Gimli. <laughs> it still only counts as one. one. <laughs> yes, I love it. I want to be that confident in battle that, like, I'm just playing this game with one of my friends the whole time. You know, like a numbers game. Oh yeah, like they don't worry about yeah. dying at any point. Yeah, no, yeah. not at all. <laughs> oh, there's this weird thing in the extended edition where they keep. Like, it's a really poorly edited thing where Orlando Bloom, like, recites a poem or something about the ghost, and it swings around. Yeah. The camera swings around them. It's it like, looks, it's like swinging it's around. So bad. And then Gimli, Gimli's, like, realizing he's walking on skulls, and he's just like, oh. I'm very glad mm-hmm. they cut that scene. <laughs> it was very awkward. 
it's yeah. it's funny, but it does feel like an extended yeah. cutscene. <laughs> mm-hmm. What's the next big thing? They bring up they bring the up cave. the big ram. Yeah, they they well the cave, yeah. Um yeah, the cave. How about the cave? Uh it's a city where there are dead people and somehow they're both dead but not. Wait, are we dead. talking about the dead of the the cave of the dead people or the cave that's next on the list here? The Shelob uh, Shelob Shelob. The cave of no fucking cave. things. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So Okay, well, before yeah. that, um, an extended cutscene, um, which is right after they, uh, if you're watching on DVD or Blu-ray, yeah, you have to switch to disc two because um, <laughs> they they say they say bring up the wolf's head and they bring out the big battering ram and then oh, yeah. it says it says switch disc and you're like okay what is this a PS one <laughs> <laughs> you switch the disc and then disc two on the extended cut opens with. Uh, Aragorn and Legolas and Gimli standing on the backside of that mountain where the cave was and the pirate ships are sailing up and he's like you're not going to go any further and they laugh at him so uh, Legolas knocks an arrow and Gimli uh, taps his bow and it goes and it shoots a pirate and it's actually Peter Jackson so they created a uh, hostile work environment (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but then I wrote down Frodo goes into the cave of no fucking thanks to play hide and seek with uh, Smee. I wrote it Smee yeah. Gollum <laughs> and a bundle of note. And so, and this is also at the point where like Sam, like right, Smeagol had to set up Sam, and now Sam got kicked and like has to walk all the way down that uh, mountain, <laughs> <laughs> only to walk Crap. immediately back up. Crimson's <laughs> yeah, on his jackets. Totally that was sad. And now Frodo's in the cave. Shelob versus Aragog discuss. Yes. Um, <laughs> what are your thoughts? Yes, here? Because point. I feel like both this movie and I, it must have been Prisoner of Aspen maybe came out around the same time. Is that right? Yes. Yes. And yeah. Yes. So I feel like you couldn't help but compare these giant spiders <laughs> in both movies <laughs> as someone who hates spiders. So here's the thing. As someone who hates spiders, I think that the talking spider in Harry Potter is worse uh, because he also has more spiders. Yeah, there's spiders on spiders. He does release more spiders. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That definitely is the uh, the scare factor in, for Aragog is just the multitude of spiders. But I feel like Aragog himself is like not as great looking. Like looks like a Muppet on the <laughs> Looks like something yeah. from uh, Dark Crystal, honestly. Yes. Oh, not a good thing. My vote's going to go for Shelob because they based it. Shelob does look they, better. They based her on like uh, like all the monsters in Lord of the Rings. They based it on like New Zealand and Australian things. Oh. Um, so oh, it's, God. It's basically, uh, I think Are there spiders like this in New Zealand? <laughs> essentially, like they're wolf spiders. The scene where like she silently comes out of the cave and it's like those giant <laughs> arms first. Like Ugh. it's so cre- First of all, anything with a giant monster in it, I'm immediately, you, you got me 100%. So I love this scene. And so I'm, I'm all about the Shelob. <laughs> I'm not uh, about the Shelob because <laughs> she essentially pelvic thrusts her way. Yeah. Like, that was kind of so weird. Like, hump, hump, hump. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, Lord. When I was looking up images of Shelob, I guess in the, um, what is the really popular Lord of the Rings video? Sh- uh, no, Shadow I guess. It, it, the sequel. I was going to say Shadow of, of Mordor. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Shadow of War. It's a woman. So in yeah. the book, is Shelob a 
woman. Yeah, they and they even they even reference it in the movie when the orc comes and they find Frodo mm-hmm. and they're like, she likes to play with a prey, but she's not. A, she never takes the form of a human though. Right. That's just that's just no. something they, they invented for the game to make a sexy lady when there was no sexy lady there before. Whoa! Yeah, listen. Hello, hello, <laughs> hello, hello. <laughs> um, that pelvic thrusting <laughs> came in well, handy. I see where she got it. <laughs> but I, I, I do want to note since I referenced the, um, the Aragog as a talking spider, it's never brought up. I don't even think in the actual books, but it's like some other extra because you know there's all these appendices and the history of Middle Earth and all that. Uh, Shelob is actually capable of speaking as well. And it, the reason that Smeagol knows about her is because he promised to bring her tastier meats than him. Yeah, she, she took one look at Smeagol and said, no. nah, you're not worth it. <laughs> no, 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 no. He's, he's basically like, if you let me go, I'll do grocery shopping <laughs> for you. Huh. I have to say, I did. I, I'm not super scared of spiders, but I've seen both this and, uh, oh God, Chamber of Secrets. Uh, with a friend of mine from high school who's I'm still good friends with and she is like I have never seen someone this arachnophobic in my life so she spent the whole time like covering her face like like getting as much into the chair as possible when these scenes came up and uh yeah these movies were very hard for her especially Chamber of Secrets yeah yeah I defend Shelob uh sexy version or not you know what you know what no I'm gonna go there I think the version of this movie is plenty sexy okay I think, I go. think, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna taking a stand right now. I think, um, yeah, um, Anita, go for <laughs> she got, it. She got that, she got that thick abdomen. All right, she okay. got them like, Ooh. all right, you know, okay. she's, she's a total package. The total, was it the package. pelvic thrust? The, that the, really you know gotcha. what? You know what? For, they, this this was almost all. rated R. Almost. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> I just I'm gonna bounce off microphone. of this here. I'm gonna bounce off of this here, Jacob. <laughs> Mentioned that she's thick and she got that pelvic thrust, but also she'll kill you, which is the millennial pipe dream. <laughs> I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> I was just choking, so I couldn't um, contribute. Okay. Um, um. Yeah. So that's the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Good night. No. What's the What's the next thing here? We see. Um. That's the next thing is. So whenever the Rohan army is leaving from camp, they're saying, oh, it's a three days ride to get there. We can't afford to bring a woman or a hobbit, blah, 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 whatever. But then uh, Eowyn and what's it? Mary. Yeah. Eowyn and Mary go along anyway, and nobody recognizes them. It's that long mane helmets (laughs) that those Rohan (laughs) warriors wear. I, I had commented that there's this extended scene here where like Mary is like, I don't like. Why would you do this, my lady? Like there are people who like, who 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 love you, and it's very clear that he's in love with her or like has a crush happening, and it's super awkward and and doesn't work. And I'm glad they cut the scene, and it really bothered me because first of all, he's standing out in the open, at the camp. They're in a camp, and he's got the yeah. helmet off, and he's clearly three foot tall, and everyone's right. like, no one's noticing. But and and now what I'm saying here is I don't. I don't think Peter Jackson does romance really well. I don't think he's good at making at, at directing chemistry. And I said here that I think the most romantic couples in any Peter Jackson movie are one Frodo and Sam, two Correct. Mary and Pippin, Correct. and three King Kong and the Girl. Ooh, 
from a King Kong, from from his four hour King Kong movie. God. So yeah, you remember that time when we were all like, Peter Jackson is a great director, and then he made King Kong, <laughs> which which isn't which I don't think is a bad movie. I just think it's way too long. King Kong yeah. was the first movie I saw with a girl in theaters, um, and that's how old you guys are. Oh my god, I hate you. And mainly, mainly just Jacob because uh, Eric's my age. So how do I know? How do I know that you weren't with going to movies with girls like when you were like six? I don't know. I can't. I, I mean, know. I was in middle that school, so right. that should shoot it to you. <laughs> you know, maybe. Do you think that maybe Mary has these romantic feelings for Edwin just because like? She's kind of similar to him in the fact that, like, she's not supposed to really be fighting. Like, you know, that's not her role. Just like it's not his role. or He doesn't have a place. And like, but she's defying it. And she's this badass woman ready to fight. Yeah, rebellion. Yeah. I want to do it, too. I want to be like you. I actually think that's a really good analysis. And I I think that's true. But I think it has more to do with the fact that there's only two women in the entire of Middle Earth. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And they both like the same guy. Yeah, so. yeah. Love triangle. It's okay. She gets Faramir at the end, so, like, it's fine. The lesser Boromir. <laughs> <laughs> Boromir like, the lesser. <laughs> you are a lesser son of Greater House. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of which, is this a, um, is a purple, is that, um... Is that Sean? I think it's Sean. Sean I have arrived in the comment section. (laughs) About damn time. Uh, But yeah, Emily and I were talking about it, Duran. So it's like, why is the main orc in Fellowship, who's uh, Lertz, I think was his name. I was like, why does he look so much cooler and more threatening than Gothmog? (laughs) Who literally looks like like, the person from... The the Goonies. (laughs) Yes, the Goonies. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep. So I, I have I have a, a couple of comments on this. Lurtz is basically a newborn. Newborn. He's a new, he's, yeah, he's a he's basically a newborn. So he is very young and very handsome for uh, ah, an archive. yes. Um, Love this. And newborns. then, <laughs> <laughs> got that. Uh, like, uh, like all yeah. newborns, like all newborns, he's young and handsome. Oh, and yeah. young, <laughs> fresh. <laughs> um. But the thing, the thing with with Lurtz versus Gothmog, is that like the Urkire and that and that scene, those are like trackers, hunters. They're hunting them down, mm-hmm. right? So they they have to be more cool. Whereas Gothmog is uh, basically the equivalent of uh, let's say Dwight D. Eisenhower in World War II. He's like the commander. That entire army is his to command. So he's probably been through some shit. Obviously, if you look at him, you would know that. I mean, have um, they really been through some shit? Because it seemed like nothing was happening before the start of this freaking series. You know what I mean? <laughs> Being born, if you're an orc, that's going through some shit. So, sure, yeah. But no, the, the 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 whole thing is that like he's not really supposed to be badass, right? He's just there to strategize. But he uggo. I thought he was a cool addition. I don't think he's as cool as Lurtz, but he, I think he's a neat addition. I don't even think he's as cool as his second in command who has a dead head on her <laughs> freaking helmet. <laughs> oh my. Release the prisoners. <laughs> Get him out! Oh yeah, that the was time of the orc. That was the scene. <laughs> Ruthless. I mean, I get it, but like still Lurtz is cooler. So, 
Denethor goes crazy and Gandalf takes charge of the, the soldiers in the city and he's commanding them through a siege of that magnitude. The orcs and the trolls and all are just pouring into the city and controversial opinion. But to me, this just solidifies that Gandalf is what we uh, young people who are not Jacob nowadays. Youth. hate you. Mm-hmm. The youth. We would call Gandalf the goat. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is better than Dumbledore in every way co- possible. Oh, that you mean I the will, goat of all wizards? I will, oh, I will die on that hill. Oh, interesting. I, mean, like, in I thought you just meant in Middle Earth, and I was like, yeah. Like, who's yeah. going to win in a fight? Like, for sure, Gandalf. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Let's. Um, I mean, Gandalf literally like fought the devil. <laughs> <laughs> like he fought Balrog. It was freaking epic. Yeah. Dumbledore um, literally had drank some water and like was about to yeah die. like killed him. Oh no! He's like yeah. Harry, save Harry. me, save me, Harry. Oh, Harry. This, this water Harry. doesn't taste right. Sora. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to see Gandalf substitute Dumbledore at, at Hogwarts now. <laughs> he, if, if 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 Gandalf would have been there, you know, when Voldemort came back. It, it just wouldn't happen. I'm just thinking of the start of a Quidditch match and being like, fly, you fools. And then that's how it starts. <laughs> yes. yes. The next note that I have here, and this is an extended scene only, uh, which is really weird, is that when Pippin tells Gandalf that Denethor has gone crazy and he's trying to burn Faramir alive, they go and they ride up toward the castle and the crypts and all that. And the Witch King of Angmar shows up and breaks Gandalf's staff, which is really weird. I don't understand it. And the implication of that level of power is very confusing. He breaks the staff, and then as he's about to kill Gandalf... Oh yeah, his sword is also on yeah, fire. Yeah, he's got a fiery sword. He's about to kill him, and then they hear what? The uh, the the Rohan people? The Rohan, the war the Yeah, so, this, so he makes a choice. Instead of killing the wizard who's leading the army, he's going to go fly off and, and beat up some horses? Like, it's it doesn't... Oh, it, it the scene needed scene. to be cut. And like and then all the, all this implies then is if you actually pay attention to the rest of the movie is you'll notice Gandalf's staff is suddenly gone out of nowhere for no reason. And so it's just, yeah. it's, mm, it was dumb. Yeah, I did not even pick up no, on No, why that. would you? Because it's insane. The whole thing is, it, there's no point. Following that, the, the Rohirrim show up onto the field and the name of the battle that's taking place there, it's called the Battle of the Pelennor Fields. When they show up, Peter Jackson told the, the VFX people, when they show up and you're showing all these horses, make sure that there are six, like you can see 6,000 units on the screen because that's a massive, like uh, Theoden says it's less than half of what he hoped for, but 6,000 cavalrymen is a massive, like that's a lot, right? I'm just wondering like how much poop you think was on that battlefield? <laughs> oh, so much. You got people poop. You got horse poop. Got, uh, yeah. People poop. Are they just like pooping in the middle of battle, like running, like oop? You know what is called a, a gorilla poop? I think is what it's called. You know, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. You guys are asking the real questions got, here. You got I mean, that's what's poop. important here. <laughs> but that is such a great scene. And as someone who was like obsessed with horses, like I was horse girl. You know, when this uh, was coming out, I was like, yes, like. Do it, horses win. Is that why you identify with mm-hmm. Tina Belcher yeah, so much? I identify with her. And the uh, and the zombies. Yeah. <laughs> it all and comes then, together. And then, and then he gives his speech, and they're screaming death, death. And 
the best thing that they do in these movies when it comes to these big war scenes is that the armies just crash into each other, mm-hmm. which like top tier. Mm-hmm. Uh, which leads into mm-hmm. the next point, which is Sean's, which I you need to talk about because yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the stock scream is that what we're talking yes. about? <laughs> yeah. So I feel like I've never paid enough attention to it, but like it was so distinctly like you know. It was just so out in the open with this one. Uh, and it, I looked it up. You know, it's the Wilhelm scream, I'm sure, or the Wilhelm scream, probably. Uh, but I'm pretty sure everybody Letters, else has been aware of this. Uh, yeah, but like, there's, one, there's been... one in every one of these movies. Oh, my gosh. It's in everything. Like, Emily and I will be watching stuff all the time now. And I'm like, did you hear it? And we're both like, yeah. Yeah. Like, where it's just like, ah! And it's just so obvious. And like, it's like, y'all, like, I don't know how movies work, but you can't have any of your actors just re- record an original scream. Well, there's there's a reason for this. If you look into the history of the Wilhelm scream, it is a gag. It is a running inside joke that directors have been using. The original text of this scream, which I think was like from the 20s or something, was actually called Man Being Eaten by Alligator or something like that. And they found this scream and they were like, this is hysterical. Let's let's use this in every movie. So you'll see it in the Star Wars films. You'll see it in the Harry Potter. Like everyone puts it in at least once. And the reason you notice it the it most. It one of the Twilights. Oh, absolutely. And, but the reason you're bringing it up here is because, and I noticed this too, is he used it one too many times. You, it's once and that's it. It's a one and done and he went overboard. Mm-hmm. You want it to be something that you're like, I feel like I've heard that sound before, but me. Yeah. Maybe yeah. not. But here it's like, oh no, I've definitely heard that before. Um, I want to know, does this Wilhelm guy, does he get like a royalty every time his scream's used? Does his family <laughs> get some money dead. for that? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> or, you know, did he just kind of sign over that sound bite and like, meh, who's going to use it? I don't know why they call it the <laughs> Wilhelm scream. Oh, here we go. It began in 1951 in the film Distant Drums. The sound is named after Private Wilhelm, a character in... The Charge at Feather River, a 1953 Western in which the character gets shot Ah, in the thigh with an arrow and is believed to be voiced Mm -hmm. by actor and singer Sheb Woolley. I don't know. It gained Hmm. new popularity and an in-joke from the Star Wars franchise, Indiana Jones, animated Disney and Pixar things. And yeah. Um, So that's Hmm. – there is a Wikipedia article. So go ahead and read about it. It's kind of – it's this movie kind of stuff like this that I I live for. It's it's fun crap like Mm -hmm. that. Moving on. The elephant guys show up. You get more mm-hmm. war. Very cool. Wish we had more backstory. Also, in the game, this was a huge part as well. They're one of the coolest parts in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, they make for yeah. good fights. Let's see. And this is this is before the ghost is the ghost is boys show up. Um, you have you have Pippin talking about how like oh this is this is the end. We're gonna die. Blah blah blah. And Gandalf's like, no, death is just another path, one that we all must take. And it's very beautiful. It's very touching. But that's very um, inconsequential for him to say when he can just be uh, revived. (laughs) That's fair. But what color would he come back as then? Gandalf the Blue. (laughs) But you don't know that his name is Gandalf Gandalf anymore. Gandalf the Translucent. (laughs) Gandalf the Lavender. (laughs) Oh, that sounds pretty. Stand up the cerulean. <laughs> and then we have a point from Sean here, which I think meant to be higher up. 
Yeah, it was one of those ones trying to put some of these in order. I was like, I don't know where exactly this happened. Um, yeah. But yeah, he so he just rides in with his staff uh, flashlight uh, that scares the Nazgul off. And I'm like, bitch, you couldn't have done this the whole time? <laughs> like, like he just like runs in and everybody's like, ah, oh, run away, run away. He's got a flashlight. No light. Ah. <laughs> It, I just like it, they're they're so threatening, and he's like, "Watch this, you guys, run away!" And he's like, not really solving any of the problems. He's just like ushering them in a different direction. Hi, my, my name is Gandalf. Welcome to Jackass. Yeah, yeah, it's just very much like watch this. Next, I I have a note. So when the Witch King is trying to kill Theoden, and Eowyn steps in between. Uh, him and Theoden, the Witch King, in his, as Sean would say, uh, ASMR voice. <laughs> oh, for sure. It's ASMR. This is the origin of ASMR, if you didn't know. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. hmm. All right. Uh, he, he says that you should never step between a Nazgul and his prey. You should which... never step between a Nazgul and his prey. <laughs> Thank you for that. That's exactly I what it sounded like in the movie. Um, Oh, uh, <laughs> I know you like mouth sounds. Oh yes. Um, <laughs> back on track. Return to the Return of the Return of the King. Yeah. Uh, uh, that scene. I know, like for for people who didn't pay attention. Who are you trying to call out right now? Who are you trying to call out right Nobody, now? Nobody in particular. If it applies, I'm sorry, but, you know. It's stupid. Um, <laughs> but, like, for, for people who don't who, who weren't paying attention, like, in the, first, in, in the first movie, uh, they they call the ring race, they call them Nazgul, but then everybody's like, oh, the little dragon thing is called the Nazgul. It's not. I mean, I felt like that was clear, but I mean, I also get like how no. it could be misconstrued in this one. There you go. The things that they're riding on, they don't, they're not dragons, which is weird because they look kind of like wyverns or whatever. They're called fell beasts. Like my old cabrio. He called it the fell cabrio. Because <laughs> they, they fall by the sword of a woman who's never been trained in battle. Is that why they're called fell Excuse beasts? Excuse me. Excuse me. The the women of that country learned long ago that just because you don't wield a sword doesn't mean you can't be killed by one. Look, I'm she just saying, this man. goes straight into the they're worse than stormtroopers because they <laughs> picked literally the worst mounts. Like, they're like, look at how cool these guys look. Oh, man, some old woman from the village got him. <laughs> old got woman? Him. I don't know. She's like 140. What? <laughs> <laughs> She'd be trying to step in on Aragorn. I'm not a fan of her. Okay, that'll make her 140. <laughs> it does not compute. Everything about the scene where she fights the the the, the ring wraith is really cool, except for when she says, "I am not a woman," which oh, I'm not a man, which is fine. But then she goes and like pulls her arm back and stabs him, and just the way it's like that, and it's it's like that was your battle cry. Mm-hmm. So, so I want to. I want to. Speaking of Awen, I want to bring up another thing that's in the extended cut. In the extended cut, I think she like thwacks a sword at Gothmog or something, and so he's like walking, like limping around the field, hunting her down. And um, mm. 
the 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 three sexy boys show up and Aragorn runs past Gothmog and lops his head it's off. Just, just on as he's making his way through the field. It doesn't even take a second. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like if you can look that good decapitating somebody, you deserve to be my king. <laughs> yeah, but then he's like, "Nah." Y'all, I think we're I think we're, we we came to this podcast a little too thirsty for the characters in Return of the King. I'm just going to put it out there. A little bit. <laughs> A little bit. I know what I'm about, though. <laughs> Apparently so I does like. Jacob, and he's all about that Sheila. <laughs> all about them eight legs. He's a leg man. Now, is this also, are we also talking about here, like, the whole uh, Denethor going on, like, has that happened yet? Oh, no, it's down here. Uh, okay. we're, we're, we're past that point in the movie, Okay. Um, based on where we are in the notes, but Interesting. Uh, Denethor... Okay. Yeah, they, they're a little out of order. Um, but Denethor is crazy, and yeah. he ran a really long <laughs> way while on fire. He should have he should have suffocated. By all rights, he should have suffocated mm-hmm. long before he hit that peak in the city. I've heard people mention that this is the that this is an example of when like Peter Jackson started like uh, essentially jumping the shark in these movies, which is probably what led to all <laughs> the nonsense in the Hobbit. Like, there's no way he ran a mile on fire to then jump off the building like a flaming comet like it was so a cool scene though i feel like as soon as we pulled up to minister that's all i could think about is like that specific scene i was like yeah <laughs> i'm ready i'm ready my body is ready my line has ended <laughs> and then following up on that this is mainly i think in the extended version it might be in the original but it's been so long since i've seen i think it was extended because i don't remember none of this uh the theatrical cut but it shows like aragorn going through like healing eowyn and all that um which is a big thing uh again not to be that guy but again in the book it's a big thing that like that's the the true sign of the the king returning oh it's like when they said dude where's my car (laughs) What? They just almost said it. Like they almost were like, "Oh my uh, god, it's the return of the king." <laughs> That's what this movie was really missing. You know, after mm-hmm. friggin' ten hours of film, you think they could have given us a dude? It's the return of the king. <laughs> That's about my energy level for uh, this continuous movie. I feel like. Yeah, because we're still only like what seventy percent through the movie at this yeah, point. Yeah, lots happened. Um, let's see. Frodo and Sam get out of the tower and are disguising themselves as orcs. Mm-hmm. Making making their way downtown. What does you have here about the mouth of Sauron? Yeah, there's an extended scene where that they cut where uh, the mouth of Sauron comes out to talk to them when they're at the gate, and it, they do a really cool thing where there's this guy on a horse and his mouth. Actually, go ahead if you if you haven't seen this, Google it. Mouth of Sauron and. It's really cool. They made his mouth like CGI large and the lips are split and like the teeth are just rotting and like his saliva is all like corrosive looking because basically the lies of Sauron are so like corrosive that you can see it eating away at this man, this beast. And he comes out and he's like all jovial. He's like, he's like, why do you come to the, do, do you come to, to have tea or something like that? And, and, uh, and it's a really neat thing. And, uh, and it also brings up the whole reason that you see an orc running away with 
uh, Frodo's mithril shirt earlier because he takes the shirt and he throws it and says, he's like, we killed your hobbit friend. Ha 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 ha. And um, so Aragorn then comes up and chops his mm-hmm. head off mm-hmm. and it's really cool. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Is this a seal to his hair? It takes more than a broken Elvis blade to make a king. And to which uh, Gimli then essentially gives us a Obi-Wan, the negotiations were short line. Kind of, and uh, and it's it doesn't it doesn't really take away anything to put it in there. I thought it was a cool thing. I'm kind of sad they like it's one of the few times in this movie there was an extended scene that I thought should have been in the original. Yeah, so piggybacking off of that again, Aragorn makes the capitation look sexy. Um, more thirst. He gives his mm-hmm. more thirst every always eternal. Then he gives his speech. You have Gimli and Legolas being a meme again, which always appreciate. And then Aragorn charges the entire army in the front. I just feel really bad for them. You know, you know they got to be tired. Like they just fought at two towers at what's it called? Helm's Deep. And then they just fought at Minas Tirith, or was it Minas? Yeah, the Minas Tirith. Yeah. Well, I and mean, they're like, let's the- just keep going. Yeah, let's, let's just, just- <laughs> let's just keep fighting, y'all. Well, by that point, it had been at least uh, several weeks, like between the end of that battle and then when they left to go to the Black Gate. It had been at least a few weeks. But it's just like, you know, how many times are you going to be like looking at death and being like, yeah, it's about to happen? I mean, it either the, 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 the thing is that either you face dead, death head on or it ends up coming for them all anyway. Right. Right. True, true, so. True. And then you have Gollum bites off Frodo's finger. He piggybacks on Invisible oh. Frodo and bites off his finger Ugh. because he makes it all the way to to the to the mouth of doom. And he's like, "No, the ring is mine, Sam." We've like twelve hours like, of film. Come on. <laughs> like this is about to happen. And then they push Gollum into the volcano, and he sinks into the lava. But you would realistically just stand on top of it and burn. Oh. Okay, by the laws of 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 what? it was a convection or whatever coming anywhere near where they were to that mountain, they would have already incinerated. You can't be next that you can't yeah. be that close to fire to lava. You will die. Sure. Yeah, I guess if you're a wuss <laughs> and not like a friggin' cool hobbit or something. Honestly, if your heart was pure, you wouldn't burn up. You mistake the the powers of the pure heart, Jacob. I also love the little tease they did, where like the ring is like on like what was it like a cooled lava or like just like a lava rock or something for a minute. And you're like, is it going to actually be destroyed? <laughs> it's like, let's add one more moment of tension here. <laughs> uh huh. And then it's like, nah, just kidding. Just playing. I, I do have to say that I love the, like you have this Mordor theme the whole time. Bum, 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 and then when the ring is destroyed, they turn it into like a joyful success music which if you it, it, it it's really cool they they make it so it's like oh it's like it's like bells chiming almost we we did it we destroyed them and i thought that was a cool way to flip that song around but yeah no then we get 40 minutes worth of endings mm-hmm. a little bit of ending fatigue. just a, just a little what's yeah. else, what's what's the, what's the ending what's the true ending the true ending is before the apply the instagram filter <laughs> <laughs> that is the every scene in rivendell God, it's friggin' terrible. <laughs> Whose decision that was should be fired. And I'm assuming it's you, Mr. Jackson. <laughs> I'm assuming it's you. Is that the scene where, where slow-mo, everyone comes into the room to see Frodo, and they all go, yeah. and he says their yeah, names you, except for Orlando Bloom. He looks at him and goes, who? He just doesn't say his name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Was that in Rivendell? I thought no, that was in the. No, that was Rivendell. That was after he they, yeah. the Eagles take him back. He's in the he's in the bed. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was in Minas Tirith. No, because no. Vilbo's before... there, and then they go on the boat. No, no, this no, is no. no, no he's oh, saved oh, by no because no, there's no, no. The one there, there's two. This you know because he he wakes up in Rivendell after the Eagles bring him back, and. Uh, then all the the hobbits jump in and jump on him, and everyone comes in, and and Gimli comes in and goes, Arr! he like shakes his hands, and and I didn't think that was in Rivendell though. Oh, I thought it was. Oh, you're saying it was Minas Tirith? Oh, I thought that was in oh. Minas Tirith. Yeah, because that's that's before. Uh, oh, the well, shut up. How's that sound? According to the people of Reddit, he does wake up in Rivendell. Oh, uh, <laughs> well. So they, so they, he wakes up in Rivendell and they huff his ass back to Gondor. Back all the way to Gondor. Listen, and listen. Then, he's got a and movie then, and I have to get there. Uh, okay. Um, yeah. So that happens. Um, it certainly does. <laughs> you look at Legolas. Oh, yeah. So, so there's like, how, how, how what's the count? Like four or five of them? Too many. Too many. Um, yeah, too many. Instead of all the extra stuff with, uh, Frodo and them going back to the Shire because, like, oh, you know, they would have gone back to the Shire and stuff like that. When they're at the ceremony for Aragorn officially being coronated as the king, and Gandalf goes, Now come the days of the king, may they be blessed or whatever. And then Aragorn, Emily's gonna love this. Aragorn finally gets to kiss Eowyn. Finally. Finally. And then he walk they walk up on on the hobbits. And they bow, and I still like I cry a little bit every time I watch this movie, and I get to the scene, and he goes, "My friends, you bow to no one." And like, uh, yeah, he gets down, he gets down, and like the entire like you see the entire uh, plaza just wave of everybody getting down on one knee. That's um, it. That's it. And I feel like I feel yeah, like that could have been it. That could have mm-hmm. been the movie. Could've, it could have one hundred percent. It could have just, just cut to them, you know being in the Shire, not having to deal with like, oh, life has to go back to the way it was, but some wounds don't heal. And it could have just cut to them being in the Shire, uh, chilling at the bar, drinking a pint with the homies and saying, you know, we live the rest of our days in peace. They could have done one of those, you know, where it's like Sam, you know, and it just like still frames Sam. (laughs) (laughs) Where are they now? But no, I totally agree. Like that was the ending. That was it. But yeah, that's what it, that's what it should have been. Uh, so I at least if we if people have closing things they want to talk about, well, we should say that. So I'm mm-hmm. going to say because I think this is a good closing point for for me on my end at least. And that is like I don't if you've been listening to this, you you probably think I'm getting pretty down on this movie, and I kind of am because I told you like the second one's my favorite, and I love the first one, but this one just it feels like it drags a lot. It. I don't feel like it carries the momentum that the first two movies gave. And I wrote here, it's it's like people talking and planning and walking all towards events, but it's only like two or three big events. And when you have a movie this long, like the event, like, like yeah, Shelob's cool. And, and that's, and that's cool. And I'm fine with that. But like the battle of Minas Tirith, it's cool, but it doesn't, it, it doesn't get the same feeling that like Helm's Deep had in the first movie. There's a lot more right. nonsense happening. There's a lot of silly things. There's lots of cutaways to other stuff because it's so long and extended, but it doesn't have the same impactful feeling to me. 
And I just feel like that this that's why I feel like this movie is a little less than followed by, of course, by what, 40 minutes of endings. I mean, for me, I think it's the endings that do it for me. Otherwise, I think it's one of the better of the original trilogy. Like, I think it's it, it still may be my favorite. Like, and I know I've sounded down on it as well. Um, I feel like it is a movie of set pieces of like kind of like individual things. And it's like stuff we talked about, you know, like when we get the Oliphants and you get the ghost army. And I just feel like there's lots of really good high points in this movie. And for me, I know I didn't really feel like it dragged story wise. Cause I felt like it was continuing to build up, but I will say the last I don't know, 30, 40 minutes of the movie um, do take away from that a little bit. That's a good point. Confirmed. I was going to say, Eric, where do you stand? Are you like me? <clears throat> no, like, I, eh? I, well, my thing is, is that I love the, the big, the big like war set pieces because I just love like the, the medieval warfare style where you have army A and army B and they just slam into each other. So being that this movie has, two separate big war pieces uh it growing up it was my favorite but now as we've gone back and rewatched them um i'm i am inclined to agree with jacob is that two towers is the best because it follows these separate plot threads and they're coherent but in this movie everything is just kind of all over the place which you know to a degree you know says so much about the second movie because you think about most trilogies Mm -hmm. and often the middle movie is regarded as the worst um and i i don't think that's the case for the lord of the rings i think it's interesting Mm -hmm. because i've always heard the opposite where people say it's the second one that's usually good because when like for example the original star wars everyone says empire is the best one is the is the critical opinion on that I don't agree with that, but the, but that's like that's that's, I mean, that's what the peoples say. I mean, Empire is an outstanding movie. I often dance back and forth between whether that or A New Hope is actually my favorite, and I think the I don't know, just like fe- that feeling I get when I watch A New Hope for the first time makes me be like that that the middle one is not the best just because it's the same way. And I know people freaking hate, you know, episode seven, but like episode seven for what it was, was more or less a carbon cut uh, copy of four. And like, it still put that feeling in with new characters and then goodness gracious, eight was terrible. But, uh, another story, another day. We have upcoming episodes. Okay. That. <laughs> I feel like the second movie and trilogy just gets a bad rap a lot because it's like, nothing really gets tied up like it's just it's just the middleman of like things happen and then like but there's you just know there's gonna be no resolution yeah exactly yeah the first one kind of has to end on something and then the second one oh well there's gonna be a third one so it's gotta end kind of sort of weirdly but yeah emily you have some interesting points here i'd love to hear about Oh, these are oh. Sean's. Yeah, this is <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I take that back. Interesting em- points. Em- must not Emily, be me. I think you have done nothing, Sean. Let me he- let me hear what. Uh, <laughs> so you know we've we've wrapped up this super long epic fantasy that for a lot of people we know this is like one of you know the influential tent poles of their like fantasy background. Like everybody loves Lord of the Rings, and it is just so prominent in pop culture. Um, 
what is your opinion on the lack of diversity? And there's various reasons that we can kind of get into as to why there may or may not be some lack of diversity. Um, but, you know, I was curious after watching it. And so I looked it up and there is a total of 47 seconds of people of color speaking in the movie uh, of the trilogy. And so that is of 33,420 possible seconds. There's 47 total, which is 0.1 for one four percent of the total runtime of the trilogy includes people of color speaking so first of all like before getting into the how or why like is that shocking in any way or are you like no that kind of feels about right for what you just watched so my 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 big question about that is who because i don't know who isn't it like orc yeah, it's almost uh, exclusively yikes. work, which is ah. one thing that you could say by That's itself. a big yike. Yeah. Jacob, what do you think? Oh, it's, this movie is lily white. The only minorities I can think of are, uh, I'm sure Peter Jackson and the fact he filmed this in New Zealand, uh, I believe he, he hired on a lot of native New Zealanders. Maori? The Maori, yes. And, and um, I believe he was very cognizant of using maori people like on the set and and for extras and stuff like that but the main cast the speaking roles are lily white my opinion on this is uh white people did not notice or care when this movie came out i did not notice or care when this came out Mm -hmm. that is wrong and Mm -hmm. i think like if this was remade they definitely should change it around yeah it's one of those things it's like i mean i was i was young and i i'll be honest at a young age i didn't think anything about it but it was like it's just you know it's one of those things to me like i think back to like so many like of the major temples of like my fantasy and like sci-fi backgrounds and like there's very poor representation in general i feel like yes and you know like looking you know just what up what other people had to say about it you know there's one of like oh it was a product of the times and to a degree you know it just for i'm trying to figure out how i want to phrase it but like you know as a product of the times 20 years ago is not that long ago no um, but and, and like but, that's yeah but sadly, I mean, I, I do think, you know, we weren't having some of the conversations we're having today um, as prominently as we are today anyway. And then there's other people who are like, well, no, 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 no. This is how it's supposed to be because of the source material. You know, it's about it's an allegory to British and Celtic and Norse mythology. So these are the people who would have been in the region. And that's why they have to be white. And like, I don't know, where do you come down on that? Hate it. Hate I I'm so, I knew people like that growing up when they were when like if you brought this up they'd see like well that's what Tolkien wrote as and I'm like yeah but the point is now we can make this a story mm-hmm. for everyone mm-hmm. and and because there's an idea because this brings to a larger thing about adaptations and and who they made for and and what's and what's the reasonable and what's the point but the the point is that film is entertainment it's it's cultural mm-hmm. messages and. Uh, having something this big and not being able to, and but and, and who knows? Maybe Peter Jackson wasn't thinking of this because he's not American and he doesn't see this. He doesn't see the. He doesn't understand what's happening in the same way that like that somebody here in America does. But if an American person were to do to be filming this and they they did it the same way, I don't think that's a good. Uh, I I don't think that applies. It, it's tough for me because like I think that almost in a way is is kind of like part of our problem in, in terms of that we view it as an American issue. And I mean, there's still a lot of like racism and like 
prejudice and opportunities that are afforded to white people, you know, both in, I, you know, I don't know how much in New Zealand, but I would imagine it fairly mirrors Europe to an extent. And like in Europe, like it's still common, like I follow, you know, I bring up soccer a lot, but like, that's a big issue over there in terms of coaching, just like it is in the States in terms of like who gets opportunities. Um, even, you know, stuff like James Bond, like, you know, talking about Idris Elba, that kind of stuff. But, you know, in England and Italy, like there's still like plenty of like issues that kind of mirror American society. And I feel like it's hard to lock in and be like, well, you know, it's a more of an American problem type thing. Like, I think it's kind of like, it just shows that it's everywhere that he wasn't an American. And it, you know, I'm sure there were plenty of Americans who obviously worked on this and I just don't think it, I I can't imagine it just got brought up very much. Yeah. It just makes me sad because I just, I, I think about this a lot is like, if I, you know, were a person of color growing up and like, this is, you know, just not being able to see myself in like these, like Sean said, these tent poles of like fantasy of this genre. And it's like, you know, I, I just can't imagine what that would be like because it is so whitewashed and so lily white, like you said, Jacob. I, I, well, I'm saying like another big problem about this is that, um, Tolkien was is writing uh, using all these things you bring up these these fantastic points of references the British Celtic Norse mythology. This is stuff that is often fetishized and used by people who are promoting a white supremacist point of view. Mm-hmm. So that yeah, I think that's a fair fair view. Now of it. Tolkien would never do that. Tolkien was a was from from what we know of him and his writings, he was very he was not a racist. He was not any of that stuff. He was just somebody who was deeply in love with his. With it, with his origin and, and life and world and the and everything that inspired the things he enjoyed, which is which is perfectly okay, and he wanted to write about that. And I think I think it's just more of like being being cognizant of like uh, you can res- you can find who's it way- for, like you said, yeah, you can mm-hmm. find a way to respect that. I think a good example mm-hmm. of this is actually the Thor movie where they cast Idris Elba as Hemdall, and Thor still represents yeah. like like Chris Hemsworth looks like this ideal you know norse god flowing blonde hair blue eyes smoldering looks mm-hmm. you know muscle on muscle and yet you still have idris elba and and uh i'm sorry the actress who plays valkyrie um, her name escapes me at the oh 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 tessa thompson, tessa thompson. yeah you have you can still fit people of color into this mm-hmm. into this milieu if you will and i think and i, I think that's a good example of, of ways you can still incorporate that yeah, that's a really good example. And and it never feels forced in those. And I think that, you know, kind of brings up the last part is like why couldn't why couldn't it have been adapted? And I feel like every defense of it that I hear is just very I think you're pushing an agenda in terms of like, oh no, 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 no. It this is it it's how the author meant it. And like I, I just I don't know, I just don't buy it. I feel like it's very you know, kind of narrow-minded, and you, it's the things that, you know, I hope, like, the fantasy stuff that's popular from the 2020s that'll be popular 20 years from now is going to be that we're not having these conversations about it. Yeah. So, on that, I want to jump on your last point that you have here mm-hmm. about how you think it's going to be handled in the Amazon series. Um, I know next to, like, nothing about whatever they're doing with the Amazon series for this, but I do follow... Uh, the Wheel of Time, which Amazon is also doing a, a TV series for. Mm-hmm. And if they handle that in the same way that they're handling the Wheel of Time, I think it'll be, it'll have all of that. It'll have 
uh, people of color, women, women of color, because whenever they're announcing new castings for the Wheel of Time thing, it's always something like when I've read the Wheel of Time books 10 years ago, I didn't think about it. I thought, you know, these are all pasty white boys, but like almost every casting when it's something new, it's a it's a person of color or something that I wouldn't have thought of 10 years ago. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I think I, I feel like they will certainly incorporate more diversity both like we said you know people of color women um you know i think there's going to be just more diversity of thought hopefully behind the scenes that will kind of allow that to flourish naturally and you you just imagine that it will happen i mean i i don't think they've announced a whole lot about the series yet um but it, it should just like it shouldn't be like any different like i don't think it should make the series different and i can't imagine that it'll actually make it feel any different i think it's just like it i feel like it's got to be important to have that representation in terms of like like emily said you know i can't imagine being a kid and looking at all these forms of media and not really seeing something that i could identify myself with and not that you know race or color is the only thing you can identify with but i think it's something that you know as a white male, I've never really had to contemplate, you know, there's always been representation for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that makes it a lot easier to just kind of shove that on the back burner. I I would like to put this out there for anyone listening to the podcast. And, and if you're wondering why representation matters, let me put it this way back in, when I went to New York comic cons back in 2010, 2011, uh, those are the two years I was able to go. And I went with groups of friends and one of them kind of asked, and he didn't mean any offense to this. He asked, why Why are all of the black people who come to this, why are they all wearing or dressed as Green Lantern? And I'm like, well, there's been like five Green Lanterns and one of them, one of the prominent ones was a black uh, Green Lantern. I think his name was, I think his name was John Stewart, if I have been correct. I don't know if he was. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the one that was in the cartoon and like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was like only a couple yeah. years after like the case, he was still very big in the, in the cultural consciousness. And I'm like, and that's the thing, like. representation does matter because you want to see yourself. And just like Sean said, Mm -hmm. you know, we see the white people. And I I know I get giddy whenever I find out a character is Jewish because, you know, it's just, you know, it's just Mm -hmm. how I feel. It's just to have that, like, identifying thing. You're like, oh, I can identify with this character on another level, I think, you know. And like I said, you know, it's very easy for me. And it's not something that, you know, I'm not gonna sit here and say like oh i've always thought this way and i've you know i know what should be done i don't think i necessarily do but i think at the same time like i do realize that you know i'm in a very easy position to say like oh i've never really had to worry about that or never had to wonder what it's like to not have that Mm -hmm. and i think it's important that we as consumers of this media continue to have these conversations because i mean we're talking about lord of the rings and this was made 20 years ago and we're talking about how different it was but i mean i had these same thoughts with game of thrones and that was recent you know yeah and it's like i'm glad to hear that wheel of uh wheel of time is that what you said eric yeah is um definitely being representative and doing that but i mean there's still plenty of like media coming out today that is still whitewashed and so it's not like oh just because this is 2020 now all of a sudden everything's great you know i mean yeah there's there 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 are there there are strides that are being taken mm-hmm. and i don't i don't really know that it's my place to to say whether it's enough or not but i don't feel right. like it's enough yet 
Right. I really think this is something we should definitely revisit if and when we do the two ones that jump out at me are the Marvel movies, because I think there's a lot to to um, uh, critique there about this. And also the Star Wars movies, if and when we get to them, because I don't know if you guys have seen the comments that John Boyega has been making recently. Oh, yeah. Look, oh, look yeah. I am as a as the resident <laughs> John Boyega stan. Like, <laughs> Like John Boyega's treatment in eight is almost exclusively why I hate that movie so much. And I realized Sean came I out of the theater different... saying this. Thing. Oh my God. Like I was, I literally left eight and was like, they ruined John Boyega. Like I was like, they ruined Finn. Like, uh, and I know this is a discussion for another point yes. in time. And I know lots of people love eight of the trilogy. You know, they think it's the best one. Their treatment of Finn in that movie was sole reason enough for me to not like that movie. Oh, we, we'll definitely hold on to it. And I'm, I'm not saying I'm, I disagree with you. In fact, I agree with you a lot. And I think that's definitely worth for us talking about. Absolutely. John, John Boyega is great. I, I hope to see more Fantastic. of him. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well. Anyways, this is not the Star Wars <laughs> podcast. This has been the Return of the King podcast, I think, Eric. <laughs> yeah, something like that. I was I was gonna hop on the John Boyega train there too, but I think we're what, past that. What, what? <laughs> uh, I'm never past the John Boyega train. If, if we're wondering, like I'm here for this. It. Has been episode three of the John Boyega so, podcast. Please join us next time. As we... <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, the only the only other thing I think I've seen John Boyega in aside from Star Wars is uh, Pacific Rim Two. Terrible. Oh, was like, oh yeah, no, I forgot. <laughs> I forgot he was in that. Because I forgot yeah. about that movie. <laughs> that's that, that, yeah. Uh, that's how bad that movie was. Um, and he was still the best part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, what do we want? We want to call it here. Yeah. Yeah, we finished Probably. it, guys. Woo! This is like uh, we we lorded the rings. Lorded the rings so hard. <laughs> so hard. So hard. Uh, yeah, Rage and Chloe. We, we we thirsted over the characters the whole time. Sheila. <laughs> I, it was great to revisit it, I will say, because it's been a minute. I feel like I revisit other, like, Harry Potter, Twilight, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I revisit others, but I don't always revisit Lord of the Rings, and so it was nice to come back and Yeah, I personally watch, watch this again. once a year. I don't want to overdo this movie series. <laughs> I can't. It's, it's uh-huh. too long, and I really want to invest in it. Like, Harry Potter, I can almost recite the text like right. the dialogue now word for word because it's just on tv all the time mm. yeah true yeah so this was uh our discussion on the return of the king the the final of the lord of the rings trilogy i really don't think we have anything else much to say so i hope uh whoever you are uh wherever you are listening to these uh i hope that you're having a great day and uh again this was uh movie freaks which is a podcast that is a book club about movies because books are too long but we're still going to bring up the books <laughs> uh and again i am eric oh i'm sean uh, i forgot that this is the order i go in because it's a power move <laughs> and i'm emily i'm jacob <laughs> jacob he's the leader of the nazgul <laughs> jacob thanks for listening guys goodbye Peach Q.
Geeks Movie Freaks is a production of the Peach Geeks Network. This episode was hosted by Eric Bowser and co-starred Jacob Gallet, Emily Horan, and Sean Horan. This episode was originally recorded on September 6, 2020, and was edited by Jacob Gallet. The intro and outro music is courtesy of Roman Senec Music, with an available link in the podcast notes. For more information on Peach Geeks podcasts or to join in the conversation, join our Discord channel. A link is available in the notes. Thanks for listening.